Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Welcome. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm the Young Adults Pastor. If you would, go ahead and take out your phone. We should be live at this point. Go ahead and give it a share and uh, man, share it with your friends. There's people that need to hear uh, about God's goodness tonight uh, on your list of friends. So uh, go ahead and share that and uh, send it out to the world. We'll see what happens. Well, hey, tonight uh, I want to uh, give you a preface. We're going to talk about a spiritual discipline in this growth series that we're doing uh, on fasting. And I think fasting is an interesting thing that our culture's kind of taken up. There's intermittent fasting, there's fasting of all different kinds that our culture's picked up and kind of latched onto. Um, but uh, fasting's a hard thing. Nobody likes fasting. Like when we were talking about this, Logan just just like, listen, I eat breakfast every day. So the thought of me skipping breakfast is one of my least favorite things in the world. It's not awesome. But to start off, I just want to give you a quick definition of what fasting is. So fasting is to willingly forego food for a spiritual purpose. To willingly forego food for a spiritual purpose. And we're going to talk about why it's prescribed in the Bible, how it's prescribed in the Bible, and who should do it and when. But for, for me, for a long time, I mean, I grew up in church. Uh, I grew up really before I, I had the relationship with God. I knew all the stuff to do, right? I kind of had that outer shell of Christianity before it, it happened inside. Um, so fasting was always something I heard of. I thought it was really for the spiritually elite. Um, it was confusing, mysterious, and I never really knew what God's plan for it was. It was kind of confusing and new. But I want to ask you a question before we start. If you could better know and understand the heart of God, would you do something hard? If you could, at a deeper level, know the heart of God and where he stands on things and what is close to his heart, but you had to do something difficult to get to that, would you do it? That's my question I want you to kind of think about as we get started tonight. Uh, as we talk about fasting, uh, to forego food uh, willingly is one thing, but I think you probably have a time that you uh, unwillingly uh, went without food. Uh, what, what's the hungriest you've ever been? The hungriest that you've ever been? I, I think about two stories. One of them, uh, for right after we got married, me and my wife went to uh, the Grand Canyon. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. It's unbelievable. It doesn't look real. You look up to it, and I like kicked a rock inside because I was like, surely this thing's not real. Like this looks painted. It looks fake. So I'm throwing rocks inside. I don't think you're supposed to do that. I'm throwing rocks inside. I'm like trying to figure out what's what on the inside. Um, but we spent three days at the Grand Canyon. And other than walking up to the edge of it and doing that like fake falling off picture, like there's not a whole lot to do. So like on day two, I'm like, all right, we got to find something to do. So I get on my phone and I find this trail that's like kind of off the beaten path. And uh, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. Me and my wife were in decent shape. We weren't hikers, but we weren't in bad shape either. I thought, man, it would be great. We'll take this three and a half mile hike down into the Grand Canyon and it'll be awesome. So we got some you know, bottles of water, we got some granola bars, threw it in my backpack and headed down the Grand Canyon. And uh, it was beautiful. There were things inside of it that it, it just gets more open and more beautiful once you're three miles down. And it was like, man, this is incredible. Well, what, we, what I didn't realize is those three and a half miles of steps going down were the same steps that we'd have to have coming back up. And those granola bars weren't so good, uh, weren't enough when it was like 
four hours later when, you know, we had passed like lunchtime, it was getting close to dinner time. And we're, we're going, and there were, I mean, I'm being honest, this was like a week after we got married and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to pick out a rock that I want you to use as my tombstone. I want it to be, this is it, because I might die here. Like, there were moments that we were out of water, and I was just like, man, this, this might be it. Like, this might be where I just, I just die here. I'm trying to figure out how to get a helicopter to where we're at. Like, I, I, was, I was at a loss, right? But we were just, like, hungry. Like, there was just nothing else you could do and thirsty. Um, that, that was the, the first time I remember being really, really hungry. The second time I remember being really, really hungry um, was a friend was getting ready to move and he was like, hey, you wanna come? It was one of those deals where everybody gets there at eight and he's like, hey, I'll, I'll have donuts and then we'll, we'll, we'll eat some lunch. Well, he had like one dozen um, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, which like those things are 98% air. So like those were gone in three minutes. And then he asked us to do like really hard physical labor for the next six hours. And he just kept like, kind of moving the goalpost, and he was like, yeah, when we, when we move everything out of the living room, that's when, that's when I'll order pizza. And listen, like, I'm, I like moving. I, I've moved a lot of people before. I like moving my own stuff. It's not bad. But like, if you have to move, I don't want to help you. I'm just going to be honest. It's not fun. It, it, no one enjoys moving someone else's stuff. I say a lot of bad things when I'm helping people move so that other people think I'm really bad at it, uh, so that I don't get asked to help other people move. Like I say things like, uh, hey, just move it with speed and it'll get through the door. Or, um, hey, if you put heavy stuff on top of the light stuff, it'll keep it weighed down. People won't ask you to help move anymore and it's fantastic. But here I am at my friend's house, it's pushing three o'clock and this idea of pizza hasn't happened yet and me and some other guys are like, listen, I, I feel like I might faint. I'm being, I'm being fully honest. I feel like I might just pass out in the box truck, it's like 111 degrees. I, I haven't had pizza, I've been promised it, but I feel like I'm just being kind of inched along, haven't had my pizza yet. And there was a moment where he was like, all right, hey, as soon as we, there was like nothing left to move. And he was like, all right, we're just gonna load it up and then uh, we'll all go to the pizza place. And it was like, you haven't ordered pizza yet? And me and my buddies were like, we're just, we're just gonna leave. Like there's nothing, I can go get something from the gas station faster than I can get this pizza. But that feeling of desperation of like, listen, I will do whatever it takes. Like I was helping move stuff and I was like, I'll help you move like the stuff from your pantry. Like I'll, I'll do that. And I was like pocketing stuff and then eating it in the back of the box truck while nobody was looking. But like you get desperate when you get hungry. You get really desperate when you get hungry. And to fast is to intentionally bring on desperation. And I think that there's this correlation between our spiritual desperation and this intentionality that we intentionally become desperate, that fasting is declared desperation for God. It's declared desperation from God. And I wanna share with you where I believe that comes from a little bit. In Titus, uh, you see a picture of our first need for God. In Titus 3, it says this. Verse three, for we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient, we were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I mean, if this doesn't sound like the beginnings of desperation, I don't know what does. And maybe there's something in some of those words that might connect to you and your story and you and your desperation. I'm gonna read it one more time and I want you to look at and read those words. We were once foolish. Have you ever felt foolish? It's not a good feeling. Disobedient. Led astray. Have you ever felt lost? Slaves to various passions and pleasures. Is there something that you want to get rid of but don't know how? 
Is there something nagging you? Is there something hanging on that you wish you could get rid of and don't know how, that you're a slave to a passion that you wish you didn't have? Passing our days in malice, in envy, does it feel like everything's just kind of pushing against each other, like it wasn't supposed to? Malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And that sounds terrible, but honestly, if you look around, that's what life feels like sometimes, right? It's a constant one-upmanship. It's, hey, I, I, I like you as long as I can stand on your back to get what I want. That's what life can feel like sometimes. That, that's what this desperation, that, that maybe it's not right now, but maybe there was a moment in your life where you felt that way. You've connected with one of those words to say, man, I'm just desperate. I need something and I need someone. But look in verse four. And one of my favorite the Bible has some great words in it, but one of my favorite words is but. It paints this ugly picture. Hey, we were all stuck here at one point. But, in verse four, when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. That is the story of the Bible. That's the story of Jesus. That he sees you in your desperation and he doesn't say, hey, you just need to be a little more desperate. Hey, you just need to get a little lower. You need to get complete rock bottom. He says, however you are, I want you to come to me. He doesn't say, hey, you need to fix that passion that you have that you feel enslaved to. Get that chain off yourself. Then come to me. That's not what he says. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's not because we figured it out and we started getting it right more than we started to get it wrong and, and God went, man, you're getting it right, I love you. He went, no, because I appeared and I'm good and I'm loving and I'm kind, that's how you'll be saved. but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, those things that we just read about, that disobedience, that envy, that malice, that difficulty, that strife of life just kind of pushing against itself, he's washing you, he's regenerating you, he's renewing you. That if you want to change, it's going to happen at the foot of the cross, at Christ's goodness. That's where change happens. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly. That he doesn't just give us the little bit of the Holy Spirit sprinkled in to make things better. He gives it to us richly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That there's this desperation that begins with Christ. That there's this desperation that, that, that we show up to him. And maybe this happened for you a long time ago. I was saved as a, as a kid that I learned about this as a kid and saw some of those things in myself and said, I need Christ. I need something to change. I can see that strife in my own will pretty clearly. And I need that. Maybe that happened for you a long time ago. What fasting is, is a declaration of that desperation. That if you've never had that declaration of desperation, that's where you need to start tonight. That 
If you've never had that moment with Christ, he's, he's standing there with open arms, not because you figured it out, but because of his goodness. He's will, ready, willing, and able to give that to you tonight. All that you have to do is believe in him and give your heart to him. You may not know what the rest of life looks like, but if you can give him what you know to give him today, he'll renew you, he'll regenerate you, he'll make you new. He'll start to release the chains of those things. But look at verse eight. It's that he doesn't even leave us there. This is how good God is. He makes us heirs with him. But, but look at this. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Would you describe your disciplines, would you describe the way that you try to grow as profitable, excellent? Is that how you describe it? I know sometimes I take the, the, the road that is easiest. I take the most worn down path because that's what's most simple for me. That's the one I know the best. But I wanna challenge you tonight. As we talk about something as difficult as fasting, I just wanna ask you, are you willing to do something new, difficult, confusing, so that you can know the heart of God? So that there will be something profitable in your life? So that there will be something excellent in your life? So that there will be a good work waiting for you? Are you willing to do that? Fasting is declared dependence to God. We're going to talk in Matthew 6. If you want to go ahead and flip there or it's in the, the app, uh, Matthew 6 is Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives this incredible sermon that covers this incredible gamut of things. Uh, I, I read through this chapter a handful of times in Matthew 6, and right after what we're going to talk about tonight in fasting, Jesus gives an incredible, extremely practical way to pray that deals with anxiety. That I, I believe it's one of the things that's going to plague our generation that in verse 6, right after what we're going to read tonight, if you struggle with anxiety, I would challenge you to read Matthew 6. That has nothing to do with our message for tonight. I just wanted to throw it in there because it's incredible. I read it like four times dealing with my own thoughts. But Jesus is talking to some people and he's telling them, and I'm going to start a little earlier than we need to because it just sets the tone. Logan talked about prayer last week and what prayer should look like in our lives, and he says in Matthew 6, verse five, he says, when you pray, I just want you to pick up the tone of this. I want you to pick up the flavor, what it is that God is communicating, what Jesus is communicating. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father, in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is, this is the tone, this is the feeling that God is communicating right here, that he's communicating what fasting should be. He's communicating what prayer is. So when he goes into this talk about fasting in a couple of verses, this is the tone that he has. That our spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about are spiritual disciplines personally. So I just wanna challenge you as we talk about this, as we keep going in this series on, person, on, on spiritual disciplines, that you would try them for you. That it's really easy to listen to a message, it's really easy to hear something and go, you know who needs to hear that? My roommate. Man, I've got a brother who, he needs to, he needs to be doing this stuff. It's so easy to do. 
I've been challenged by every one of these messages so far. Logan talked last week that you, when you prepare a message, God deals with you, I feel like, in a, in a more harsh in way, in a way earlier than he does with anybody else. That this message on fasting has, has humbled me in new ways, honestly. It really has. But I challenge you to do this for yourself and to do it quietly and personally. I believe that spiritual disciplines can be done greatly together. That with a small group of people, and I'm excited for tonight because at the end of the service, it's our small group kickoff, that you'll have the opportunity to join a group. And it'll be an awesome opportunity because I I really believe that spiritual disciplines are sharpened with other people. You'll see in a group how someone else reads their Bible. You'll see how someone else prays and you'll go, I've never done that before, but I want to try it. I see the relationship that you have with God and the intimacy and the way that you talk about God, and it's just different than the way I do. Can you tell me how you got there? That these spiritual disciplines are sharpened in community, but done personally. I want you to just think about that and, and, and try it. But as we talk into this, I, I just want to I, I wanna just kind of open this up a little bit. Verse 16, Matthew 6, he says, And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Here's the thing that we read about in Matthew about fasting. It's an occasional spiritual discipline. It's not said that, hey, you need to be fasting every day. You, you don't have to fast every moment. Like, you can eat meals. Like, God created food. There's a lot about fellowship done together. And I think as a Baptist church, we're probably really good at that part of it. But it's an occasional spiritual discipline. And here's what it communicates. It communicates to God and us, I need you more than this thing that I'm giving up. That you're giving up this thing, this item physically, to declare to God, I need you more spiritually than I need this physical item. I I just, reading about fasting, it was so interesting. One One of the books or articles, I can't even remember where it came from, but it talked about how when we eat, we're eating something that's perishable, right? Like, everything has a shelf life. Everything's gonna go bad at a certain point. And it's almost kind of funny that we're like, we're beings that were created to eat things that go bad, right? Like if you eat something bad, it's going to go bad for you. We're created that way. But we're giving up things that perish and things that go bad so that we can more clearly see the things of eternity. And when you put it in that light, why would I not declare that? Why would I not read back in Titus and see God's goodness and declare that on a consistent basis? Occasional, but often. That I, I fasted yesterday, um, and I, I, there, there's just, when you feel the pain of hunger, it, it's a reminder. There were so many times that I was like getting up and moving, and it was like I have this, this, this almost... Um, it's in the back of my mind, this kind of unconscious, subconscious drive to like, oh, this is where I go when I'm hungry. I just grab something out of the pantry. I grab something out of the kitchen. And it's a reminder of like, no, more than you need that item, 
more than you need that thing, you need God. More than that pain in your stomach, you need the things of God. You need eternity in your heart. And it was a reminder to go, man, I am so reliant on things that are going to go bad. I think about those things so often. It's the temporary versus the eternal. It's the physical versus the spiritual. So as we talk about this even just a little bit more, would you just try it? Would you just set aside a time? And I think you need to be wise about it. There there are family members, there are people on our team that when we're talking about fasting, if you have a medical reason, obviously don't, don't foolishly fast. Do it in a wise way, but fast. Try it. See what God does. The first thing that we see in Matthew 6 is that he expects his people to fast. God expects his people to fast. It says, when you fast, two times. It doesn't say do it every day. It doesn't say do it all the time or as you go. It just says, when you fast, we're expected to fast. It's not for the spiritually elite. It's for everyone. If you're following Christ, I would even challenge you, if you're not following Christ and you're here and you're just checking this thing out, see what God will do. Doesn't say it in there, but I I just trust my God so much that he'll just do something crazy with it. But when you fast, it's expected. Will you just try it? If you've never done it before, you tried it once and you hated it, will you just try it? It's not reserved for the spiritually elite. It's occasional, but often. There's a lot of fasting in the Bible. It happens in the Old Testament quite a bit. Joel, Moses, and Nehemiah fasted when they saw sin and they needed repentance. Ezra fasted, seeking God's guidance and direction. Daniel fasted, mourning after loss with a heart of repentance. And you see Jesus fast for 40 days and 40 nights when he's beginning to start his earthly ministry. And I think sometimes we have to stop and consider. We want God to do big things in our lives. We want God to change situations. We want God to change people. We want people to come to know him. We want our sin to be taken and dealt with and to be rooted out in our lives. And when Jesus was getting ready to do something big, this was a person who was so close to the heart of the Father that he said, I need to declare my dependence on him. How much more do I need to? How much more should I be on a consistent basis, on an often basis, going to the throne of the Father saying, God, I need you more than my physical needs. Will you just try it? Listen to Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Is not this the fast that I choose? Look at the words that it says. To loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. It is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring homeless poor into the house. And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Can I just tell you that one of the things that God does such a good job of, like I've... I don't feel like I'm great at fasting, I'll admit that, but the times that I fasted, I feel like it's about a certain thing. It's about either sin in my life, it's about a scenario, I'm asking God to answer prayer, and I go to God and I ask him for one of these things, and that last thing that it says, it says not to hide yourself from your own flesh. That's what gets me most of the time. 
that I show up expecting, asking God to move, and he shows me something about my flesh that deepens the declaration of dependence that I thought I had. That this battle between my flesh and the goodness of God and what he's trying to do in my life, I see how I'm hanging on so tightly to my flesh. And I start to realize, man, God, I I thought I was doing something great. And it turns out I'm hanging on so tightly to something that is temporary. It's something that's physical. It's something that I don't need. So, man, I, I came here for one reason, but I end up setting something at your feet because he renews, because he regenerates, because he makes you new in the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. That's the heart of our God. Our God is a God that wants you to have freedom and liberty from the chains that ensnare you. He does not want you walking around hanging on to the chains that you have. He has freedom for you. Will you try it? Will you set aside some time this week? Because God expects his people to fast. The second thing you see here is that a fast is between you and God. A fast is between you and God. Um, We've done corporate fasts. We've done, like with our team, uh, a fast uh, as we're starting a semester or starting, you know, something new with young adults. And even when we do that, it's something that we do in community, but it's only done personally through you and God. And that's where I see the most power in this. It's not that you should hide that you're doing a fast. If someone finds out, it's not like the the use of the fast is gone. But look at the way that he explains fasting here. He says, when you fast, don't do it. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. This is the funny part to me. He says, hey, if you fast for the purpose of just putting on a show, you already got what you got, right? Like, seems like a ridiculous notion. Hey, if you're going to fast and do it for just you, the people around you, just so people think, man, that Jerry guy, he is so holy. God must love him. No, no, no. What, what he's telling you is like, hey, you got your reward. So you know what the reward is for fasting? Hunger. Isn't that cool? Hey, you're going to fast. You're going to do it for yourself. You know what you get? A hungry stomach. Like that, that's what it is. If you do it for that purpose, the use of it is gone. The use of it is just on the surface level, it's face value, it's what you get. But it's so personal, it's between you and God. It's time that you separate everything else. Have you ever had a friend walk up to you and be like, hey, you wanna just spend some time, Go like me and my wife love to go for drives. And even just, I think it was Sunday, she said, hey, can we drop the boys off somewhere and just go for a drive for an hour? And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Because that's what we did when we were dating. There's nothing else to do, you just sit there and talk. That it's this declaration of dependence in a whole new way that says, hey, it's me and you, us. There's nobody else here. I need you. You know what I think about when I fast? How hungry I am. And that reminds me, it's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. I need God so much. It's between you and God. That if you try a fast, I am so excited for you. Because I am convinced that God will show you things that you have never thought about between you and God. That there are things that God will show you about your dependence and your need for him that will cause you to declare it even more. That you will sing of what Titus talks about as the goodness and the kindness of our God who appeared and saved you, not because of your goodness, but because of him. Why? Because it's just between you and him. 
And I believe it'll impact everything around you. Man, I'm humbled because of fasting. I was shown, man, I don't have it all figured out. There are so many things that I feel more broken up about after fasting than I did before, but all it did was make me go, I'm just a messed up person that loves God. That's all I have going on. That God has saved me from my brokenness. I I started telling the story at the beginning, but man, I I grew up in church. My dad grew up in the church that I grew up in, so I wasn't Ron Bone's son, I was Ronnie Bone's son. That's what everybody knew me as. So I learned before really I could even comprehend a lot of the things. Man, if you just do these things here, people like you. If you just kind of fit into this mold, fits, it clicks, everything works. So before I knew the why, I knew the what. And if I could just do the what, everything would kind of get worked out. Man, that's really nice when people just look at you and go, man, I like that kid. So I ended up doing a lot of good things on the surface, but things were rotten underneath. That I was living my life without having any amount of regeneration, without any amount of change that happened beneath the surface, but above the surface, I was trying to prove everybody right. Man, that Jared's such a great kid. I love that, it's awesome. He does all the right things. He's at church every time the doors are open. He'll help anybody. But I was doing it so that people would think that about me. And man, if you would have seen me when somebody started to peel back that external layer and see, man, you're not as good, I would scramble like my world was about to end. Because what was lying underneath was sin. What was lying underneath was bad motivation that was ultimately selfish. And if I'm not careful, that pops back up again. So what I need on a daily basis is a declaration of dependence to God. I need every day to show up to Him. It may not be in a fast, but I need to declare to God, God, I need you because my flesh is broken. And you are the only thing and the only one that can change that in me. Fast is a big way to remind yourself of that. And if you're here and you have not made that decision to declare to God that you need him, I challenge you to do that today. To turn your heart and your life to him. Look at what the last thing it says about fasting. Matthew the last, the last section in verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It doesn't say what the reward is. It's not super clear. It doesn't say that every question that you have will be answered. It doesn't say that every prayer that you have will be answered, but you will get to a better picture of who you are and who God is. You'll have a better perspective on the kingdom of God. That if you're here today and you would call yourself a follower of Christ, and all that the gospel means to you is, that's what I did years ago. That's something that happened to me a long time ago. Now I'm just living life however I need to. I would challenge you to fast and declare to God your dependence on him, but also in a daily way, declare your need for him. That I believe that that's everything in the Christian life. 
is declaring your dependence on God. What if our generation was not marked by depression and anxiety and anger and abuse and filling up your time and trying to make it and trying to make whatever amount of money that you believe is the amount? What if our generation, what if the people in this room were marked by a declaration of dependence on God? What if our generation was marked by foregoing the physical for the eternal? That's a community that I want to be a part of. Would you try it? Would you buy your heads?